Welcome to the Above Average Driven Millennials podcast series, where entrepreneurs, celebrities, and athletes talk about their journey, from starting and all the shit they had to go through to get where they are today. Please spread the love. Write us a review. We want to help as many entrepreneurs and people as we can with advice from industry experts. Now, here's your host, president and founder of Adapting Social, John A. Vaguero. Hey guys, welcome to the Above Average Driven Millennials podcast. I'm here with Sharad today. We are going to dive into his world. Uh, John will not be joining me on the podcast today. However, we know that we're still going to have a fire conversation. So Sharad, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. And before we dive in too deep, do you want to tell us like a little bit more about you and your story? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, born, raised in California, uh, more specifically in uh, in Los Angeles, um, uh, in a place called Glendale, and uh, went to high school here, and then ended up going to USC um, uh, right after. And uh, so, you know, was in LA for majority of my of my teen years, and even into my early twenties, right. And so during my time there, I jump-started a nonprofit. A buddy of mine from high school and a few friends at the University of Chicago were teaching financial education to high school students. The program was called Money Think. And uh, I brought it to USC, uh, did that for all four years of college. And uh, and um, I think my senior year of uh, college, we ended up winning this huge White House competition. Um, oh we recognized gosh. by President Obama at the White House. Wow. And, uh, and then, you know, long story short, we ended up expanding into 17 universities. I helped UCLA, Claremont, Chapman start up their chapters and, uh, ended up becoming my first job out of college. And so I was officially employee number one and two with, uh, my same friend who introduced me to the program. We ended up going full time with it. So moved to cold, wintry Chicago, um, <laughs> Was there for a couple of years, helped uh, build, scale, grow the program, and was involved in a lot of their fundraising efforts. And well, it's a two-person team, so you do you have to do a little bit of everything. And uh, and so realized that I really loved social media and marketing aspect of things. And uh, within a couple of years, um, nonprofit was at a good spot. They were on a fo- they, they were on a point where they were more focused on quality control and uh, were building out a mobile app. And uh, so scalability and everything was going to start uh, slowing down um, uh, until we could get everything built out and tested. And so I knew there was going to be a couple of years until uh, until they were going to start growing and expanding the program once again. So it was a good time to leave. Came back to L.A. And uh, and uh, while I was at MoneyBank and working on it full-time, we ran a few different fundraising campaigns and um, that that White House competition that I mentioned, that this was all, a lot of this was social media driven. So you have to go out, get your friends to vote for you. Um, and uh, and so ended up, I think we raised through Kickstarter and Indiegogo all the different campaigns, maybe north of like 50,000 all in. Wow. And, um, you know, for, for a two person team, for two person nonprofit, I mean, that was like probably a third of our operating costs right there. Um, so, pretty significant when when you're that small and uh and so i kind of realized you know what the opportunities were with social media i mean it feels like i date myself but in 2013 facebook launched their advertising on their platform Mm -hmm. and uh we kind of took advantage of that 
And, uh, and so I saw the growth potential and started a social media consulting company um, right when I came back to L.A. Um, or within a few months. And one of my first clients was a luxury publication called Destination Luxury. Um, helped build and scale that for a few months, and I, we ended up merging companies. So a lot of my staff, a lot of my resources uh, ended up getting combined with that. And so we simultaneously launched a marketing branding company, and uh, that's, that provided our initial funding to reinvest and put that into our luxury publication. And so now, you know, have a luxury publication called Destination Luxury, have a marketing branding company called Digital Luxury Agency. And then during this process, um, in the last, I guess, year and a half, a couple years now, um, ended up launching a book publishing company as well. Wow, so, man. You're all across the board. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But, like, like, each one significantly... There was there was always an organic reason, like the opportunity presented itself, and uh, had enough demand for it to to get to you know uh, to it had legs, had clients, um, had money coming in to get things going, and it was just kind of right time, right place to just to just execute and get it done. That's awesome. Well, it's definitely great that you were able to take advantage of that opportunity too, since I'm sure in the moment. You had your doubts, but you went for it, and that's what really matters. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think it was harsh. It was a lot being naive and not understanding all the problems that I would run into as you're building it. Um, I think part of it is if you know fully what you're getting into, or at least I do for the book publishing company, I don't know if I would have started or I would have said yes to that and kept, <laughs> and kept going. It was like, oh, okay, that's like a little problem I you work on it sometimes it's for a day sometimes it's for a few days sometimes it could even be for a couple of weeks and then you get it resolved and then you run into another problem and then you just kind of keep fixing it as you're going and you know I, I, there's, I've heard many sayings of you building an airplane as, as it's kind of going down <laughs> um, and so that you're trying to keep flight as much as you can and so it's like oh problem oh wait you're fixing it and then things are going smoothly again and then problem and fix it and i think you just keep doing that over and over again and get to a point where you're like oh wow like there were a lot of problems and i (laughs) I had no idea i was gonna get to where i am right now but it just you kind of fix it as you keep going and i think if uh you know sometimes it makes sense just to just to keep it afloat and i think there's a lot of information that I have now that makes sense, but I didn't know in hindsight. Yeah, and that's awesome. I feel like that applies to life even beyond business. Like, you're always going to have those problems, but you need to just kind of try to rebuild that plane as it's tanking. <laughs> it's just yeah. all about all about finding the solution to your problems, which is something that not a lot of people understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say really what I'm doing is... It's just fixing problems. <laughs> but that's awesome. I, I mean, a lot of people will feel overwhelmed when they have their back against the wall because you're never going to go through life without problems. Like, you're never going to grow unless you put yourself in a situation where you need to feel those problems, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what was, like, the one of the biggest challenges that you faced really scaling and growing your businesses? Um... 
A lot of it is making sure that you have the right people in place. Um, I, I think that was my biggest lesson, um, is having the right partners um, that you trust, that are vetted, that can get the job done. Um, I mean, like, like even before I started the luxury publication, I ended up, um, I, I had a failed startup in between, if not two. Um, two small failed ventures, um, you know, try to see if it had legs and, you know, unfortunately they just, just didn't have the right business partners or, um, visions were just not aligned. You know, the chemistry just wasn't there and, uh, and it's, it's unfortunate, but I think there is a lot of trial and error that goes into it. Um, you know, if, uh, sometimes you just don't know what you're getting into and I think you have to give it a shot. Yeah. And, uh. I, I think so that that's like my one my number one thing is just make sure that you know exactly who you're getting into business with and just make sure that you know what your vision is you know what your um, what your values are personally um, and you know what values you want in other people um, and what your skill sets are um, I think you have to be self-aware and self-conscious enough to know, what you're great at, what you're not great at, and where other people can pick up um, where you're not great at, too. That's awesome. So it's all about just making sure that no matter what, you have the skills surrounding you to make sure that success is going to happen no matter what. And that's huge because I think a lot of people will look at a person's qualifications before they look at, like, the skills that they actually have, like, where they went to school and, like, everything that they've done in their life rather than like them as like a person, which is very different from what you typically hear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and I, I think that's spot on. Um, I, I think that's always number one. And those are things that are typically um, overlooked a lot of times in entrepreneurship. Um, but uh, I, you know, most of mine was, uh, was learned from personal experience. Absolutely. So what experiences would you say really shaped you to like who you are in business and in life and just everything that you're striving to accomplish moving forward? Sure. You know, I think, um, I think that there were a few things that, uh, kind of hit hard. Uh, I think just about everything that I learned was done via or volunteering early on in my career. Um, like when I first started, I thought I wanted to, um, I thought I wanted to enter the healthcare field. Um, and I learned very early in my, my teens and it probably has to do with the fact that, um, a lot of this came from my parents. They wanted me to be a doctor, a lawyer, or, uh, or more specifically someone to go get into like the healthcare field. And, you know, I took an AP bio class, took a physiology class in in high school, I realized I just didn't want, I didn't want to pursue that. There were a lot of classes that I knew that I would have, if I wanted to become a doctor, I was going to have to take eight, nine, ten more years of this. Um, while, then this was just me at like 15, 16 years old, realizing, oh my God, I'm going to have to take ten more years of this before to even enter the field. So I knew per- immediately that <laughs> healthcare was not on my list. Um, and so well, I, I read a realized few when you were young, because I feel like a lot of people go in like way too deep in it all. Uh-huh. They realize. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one thing I didn't want to do. I, I think, and I, I don't think I realized this at that time, but 
I think I was creating more of a checklist of the things that I didn't want to do more so than the things that I actually did want to do. And so like healthcare industry, I really enjoyed parts of it, but the core things that you would need to study to, to become a professional in it, I didn't want to go through that process. Um, so that was off my list. And then, and then I knew I, I wanted to get into economics and business and finance. Um, uh, so, you know, I took a couple of economics classes. It, it, it piqued my interest. I knew I wanted to get into business. I mean, like, really, I, I started reading my first real nonfiction book. Um, I think I first book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and then I, I read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, and I realized I really like marketing. Um, and I really like the connecting with other people. Um, and I really love that component. And so part of me thought that, uh, uh, you know, accounting was something that I would want to get into. So freshman year in college, um, I thought that I would become an accountant. I thought I wanted to, that's when I really learned about entrepreneurship, um, early on in 2008. And so that's, that's, I thought I wanted to create my own accounting firm down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, and did an accounting internship. That was like, that was my first internship I did. And uh, again, realize I did not want to sit behind a computer for hours on days, um, just crunching Excel spreadsheets. I actually liked being on the phone. And one of my other uh, internships that I did um, or jobs that I had was I was in insurance sales for some time. And I kind of learned that I didn't like that hard, gritty sales experience, but I did like the connecting with other people. I, I like the marketing, the things that are a little bit more soft. Um, and I kind of realized that I'm very, uh, if anything that, anything that requires planning and execution and, and is more of a marathon, I'm really good at anything that was more of a sprint where, you know, you're going to go door knocking and you're going to pick up the phone and call 50 people every single day to get rejected flat out. I knew that I was very bad at that. Uh, I don't think I, I have that type of personality, but I think if you give me a long-term play, like, hey, look, we have a goal, we need to raise $50,000, and we have two months to do this, like, figure out the best way to get the job done, I can build out a full marketing plan to execute and uh, and figure out a creative way to do it, where I can create a couple of videos, I can post a lot of things on social media, and maybe within the first two, three weeks, I wouldn't raising a single dollar but i all the different marketing tools that i would use would be planting a bunch of seeds everywhere and then and eventually it would harvest all simultaneously and you know a lot of this, this happened but it was more of a learning process i learned yeah i didn't i'm not good at sales i'm just not that type of person um i hated accounting i hated legal <laughs> and it was a bunch of things i was checking off the list the things that i didn't want to do and eventually i kind of narrowed down what i did and I think that I just did that early enough, and I was I was self aware enough, um, even even earlier on, to figure out what I didn't like to do as opposed to what I did. And then I was kind of able to hone in more on what I did want to do. That's awesome! It's crazy how many things you tried. <laughs> like you went across the board, like everything in the realm of business that you could possibly do, and that's amazing because I feel like the only, I I love that the only way that you know what you like to do is to figure out what you don't like to do. And that's Correct. like the opposite of like how so many people think. And that's awesome. And I don't want you to have to give away too much of your strategy, but would you want to talk like a little bit about pretty much what you do 
when you must hit those fundraising goals because I think that's so interesting how in such a short period of time you're able to accomplish some pretty uh, pretty impressive feats. Yeah, you know, I think uh, there's one particular instance, and I've written about this too, but um, uh, so one of our fundraising, we were doing a back-to-school campaign. Our goal was to raise $10,000, and um, and my role within uh, Money Think was starting to change because um, I was in charge of expansion on the community side. And uh, and so as my role was transitioning, um, I got placed into more of the fundraising and spearheading the back-to-school campaign that we were trying to do. Was, uh, so we were trying to raise about $10,000, and uh, it was a two-week campaign. I became in charge of it literally four or five days before the campaign was gonna uh, was going to be finished. Or five, five, six days. And so um, I think we were only halfway towards the goal. And we needed to hit the very end of it. And so as I kind of figured out my group, there were like a bunch of different things that we were trying. And we had a pretty extensive newsletter. I think we had a 10,000-person newsletter list. Um, And then we also, we were trying a bunch of different tactics to see what we can do to raise the goal, uh, to, to hit the goal, right? I remember... There was literally 29, 30, maybe 29 or 30 hours left. And we were just about $3,000 short of the goal. And I was sitting there trying to figure out. And by then, I had figured out that if I was going to hit this goal, I had to do one-on-one conversations. And the most effective way to do it at that time was Facebook Messenger. Um, A lot of those tools wouldn't work right now because you would get flagged with spam on Facebook Messenger, but yeah. I was literally sitting there, and I, I was at a Dunkin' Donuts, so it's 24 hours. Um, I didn't sleep. I literally pulled an all-nighter, and I sat there messaging people, and I had my couple thousand friends, and I kept talking to them, and I figured out how to, to initiate the conversation so that it wasn't direct. Um, it wasn't like a direct ask. It was more of like a, hey, hey how are you doing? It's been a while. How are things going on? And I created a full script. There was literally like every single scenario that could happen. And based on the conversation, I kind of let it evolve. And so I was having like five, six, seven, eight, sometimes even like 10 conversations at one point, just because some people don't respond immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so then based off of that, I just kept going on and on. I think I talked to seven, 800 people and ended up hitting the fundraising goal. Damn, so, man. So, you know, I was able to figure out, like, okay, what is their, uh, what's their propensity to give? Um, what, uh, how are they doing right now financially? And there, there are some people that were still in college, and I kind of knew their situation. So I was like, okay, worst case scenario, I could maybe ask for, like, 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks. Um, there, there are some people that I, I just didn't ask. I was like, you know, based on their current situation, just the information they're providing me, uh, I don't feel comfortable asking for it. And sometimes I would just ask them for an update. And each person, I try to provide them value. So as they were talking, you know, I remember it was one person who was looking for an internship. And I was like, actually, you know, my company is looking for an internship. And I have two of my mentors. These are two different internships that I've seen posted just on my social media feeds. And then I would send it to them. And um, and so this way you're providing value as, as I was having the conversation. But this is like super specific because this actually happened. And we, I ended up hitting the fundraising goal, I think, with, like, two, out, two, three hours to spare. And I remember just, like, leaving that Dunkin' Donuts. I went home, and I just crashed. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
but like like that's that's kind of like a direct situation of something that that ended up happening wow man you really just got gritty and did everything that you possibly could i i admire that because there's a lot of people who would have been in your situation would have just been panicking but you knew that there was there was another way out there there, there was a solution <laughs> to everything yeah yeah and 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 again i took over the campaign with six days left and i tried like 10 different things during those like first three four days and i figured out okay this is gonna be really the one thing that's really gonna work and i just need to double i need to invest all of my efforts 100 percent just into this and just go all in that's awesome, man. Good stuff. You really, really made it happen and laid it out. It's such an early stage in your career, so amazing stuff. That's so great. So one of the things that John and I always like to ask before we really wrap up the podcast is just kind of where do you see yourself in 10 years? I know that you have had a lot of success in your companies and i just want to know like where do you envision yourself in the future great question so i actually just answered that question um a couple of times and i was talking to a few different folks um and uh i think where we're more or less where i want to be is doing angel and vc investing down the road um and uh part of it is uh is I realize that I am a borderline control freak where I need to at least have my ear in the boardroom to understand what's going on. Um, and, uh, and because we have a marketing branding company, the way that we've been doing it strategically is, um, is doing a barter deal, which is instead of just, you know, charging our normal rates, we'll take equity or small portions of it. Um, and so we'll, we'll do a, um, a mediary of, you know, some equity and some cash um, into companies and invest into their long-term growth. And uh, just over time, I've been able to build a lot of relationships with angel investors, with other VCs. And so I'm kind of learning from them along the way. And uh, even some of the companies that, that we're taking a little bit of equity in, we're introducing some of them to our investor friends. Um, and uh, so I, long-term, I, I, want, I see myself getting more into angel investing. But I say that knowing that I don't think I'm the type of person that's going to stop creating my own companies. I'm always going to be working on the side. Um, now, whether I'm going to be doing what I'm doing right now, still as actively as I'm doing, um, you know, that's to be determined. I'll let the five, 10 year uh, older version of me figure that out. But, um, <laughs> but for, for now, I, that's kind of the growth trajectory I see myself on. Um, is I want to be able to invest into entrepreneurs and help them grow and scale their their companies with all the different things that I've been able to learn along the way and expedite their careers. Damn, man, that's so amazing. And I'm sure that you've seen through research that we're super passionate about helping entrepreneurs too as well and really helping small businesses grow through marketing and branding and design and everything that we do across the board. And uh, I definitely see an opportunity between uh, both of us in the future. So definitely awesome stuff. And I love your message. And uh, my family's actually from your area too. Funny enough, they're uh, in Santa Barbara. So it's a pretty small world. Yeah, it's great, great part of California. I love it. Awesome, man. 
So yeah. before we wrap up, uh, John and I always like to talk about what your life quote is. And it's just a quote <laughs> that really stands out to you and is super meaningful. So like, I'll share mine. My life quote yeah. is the only time you should ever look back is to see how far you've come. Ah, nice. I love that. Um, <laughs> Thanks, okay, man. so I think... I think along the same lines, uh, mine's is, if your life were a movie, would you watch it? Wow, dude, that's so powerful. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I think the first, I, 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 can't, I can't even remember who told me that. I don't know if I heard it in someone else's speech, or if, if I heard a friend say it, but it's become a part, I think at the first time I heard that, I was 21 or 22. I had just graduated college, and I think I was just starting my my first job out of college um and i think i just moved to chicago i was like one or two probably two or three months into the job i came across me i was like hey this is pretty cool i put it on a notepad and i used to have it on my computer um on the side in my notes and then i kind of had it in my phone and then eventually it just became a part of me i've I've even said that in a few different speeches and so now it's just i'm like actually i really like this quote it really resonates and it's become parts of my life motto. I love it. So, would you say you would watch your life's movie? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, right now I would. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think in conjunction with that, I think it has to do with if I died right now, or if I was on my deathbed, I found out that uh, you know something tragic happened, and I was, you know, how you, I've never had that experience. Very fortunately, right? Uh, knock on wood, but. Um, you know, I've, I've heard from many people that they've, they've seen their life flash before their eyes, right? And I think it has to do with regret. I, I think, like, regret's one of those things. And I volunteered enough at, at different retirement homes, and you can see regret on people's faces. That's always, like, the one thing where people are like, damn, I really wish I took that chance. I really wish I, you know, I did th- this or that. And I think I would be fine with it. Awesome, dude. That's that's fucking incredible. Because I feel like there's so many people who live their life with regrets, and knowing that you really are living your dream is truly admirable. Mm-hmm. Awesome yeah. stuff, man. Yeah, and I'm I'm grateful and blessed for it too. So every single day. <laughs> I love that. It's all it's all about waking up and uh, before you look at the bad things here in your life, you count your blessings and that's, that's truly so important. And there's too many people that get out of bed and think about all the things that they have to do rather than the things that they want to do. And it's about really living your dream. It's exactly mm-hmm. like you say, if your life was a movie, would you watch it? I love that dude. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's, that's mine. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Shirag, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Above Average Driven Millennials podcast today. You've given some incredible insights into your world and will, without question, inspire so many people who are considering a wide range of aspects of their career that they could potentially get involved in, where they should try a bunch of different things to find what they really love rather than to settle. And I, I love your message and I love everything that you've said. <laughs> thanks so much no, I appreciate it uh, thanks so much for having me and uh, and uh, you know looking hope, hopefully this resonates with someone out there yeah absolutely man well I hope you have a seriously awesome day and thank you so 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 much yeah 
Appreciate yeah, man. it. We'll Thanks be so following up me. with you too, by the way. I'll oh, um I'll be getting you the this. assets to the podcast and everything else too. Yeah, would would love to share it. So awesome, so dude. Much. You're the man. Have a great day, uh, all right? Yeah, have a good one, man. Yeah. Thanks. Later. Thank you. Bye.